It's a movement, but it's about people. Be the People is about we the people joining forces to reclaim and reshape the best of our nation's time-treasured traditions. Each week, we offer insightful interviews with movers and shakers from all different spheres of life. And now, please welcome Dr. Carol Swain. Welcome to Be the People. Today's show is the third in a four-part series on Nashville, Tennessee. As I mentioned last week, Nashville is a blue city in a red state. Over the past seven years, the city has been featured in the New York Times. It's been described as the it city because of the happening events and the growing tourism and the fact that people from all over the world in recent years have made Nashville their home. But mismanagement of city affairs that goes back many decades continues under the current mayor, Mayor John Cooper. Mayor Cooper has proposed a 32% property tax increase on a city that has experienced a tornado, a series of major storms, and a more than two-month shutdown ordered by the mayor. And even before this devastation, and by the way, I'm waiting for the plague of locusts, even before all of this happened, the city was almost bankrupt. Joining me today to talk about this is Jim Roberts. Jim Roberts is an activist's activist. He's a Nashville attorney that's been practicing law for nearly 25 years. He's also a Vanderbilt graduate. But what is most important for our purposes today is that he has a passion for good government. And he's been involved in numerous lawsuits to stop blatant civil rights violations, to, to protect religious freedom, to address uh, violations of election laws, and so forth. And he's also locally been involved in a battle to save the Nashville Fairgrounds and just numerous other activities. For today's interview, Jim Roberts is here because he is one of the main drafters of a petition. And this petition, the Nashville Taxpayer Protection Act, is for a charter amendment that would restore fiscal sanity to Metro government. And so he's going to talk about uh, some of his activism as well as the petition and what you can do to make a difference. And even though you're listening, you may not be from Nashville, what happens in Nashville affects the rest of the country because we find that in cities that are governed by Democrats, you get a similar set of problems. So help me to welcome Jim Roberts to the Be The People Show. Well, thank you, Dr. Swain, for inviting me to speak. I really appreciate that. Well, Jim, you have an impressive background as an activist, and I know that the law that you've been practicing over the past 25 years, that a lot of that is helping individuals that have gotten themselves in debt and they have various types of problems, but you do a lot of pro bono work as an activist. When did that get started? Well, funny, it actually got started about 20 years ago when a very dishonest mayor put a lot of pressure on a election commission to keep a young woman off the ballot. Um, 
they had held an election. Uh, there was she had to she had to be a write-in candidate. She had to get a certain number of votes. And our mayor, I was in the room when our mayor called the election commission and told them to put her, take her off the ballot. And that initiated a lawsuit, and we forced a recount. And we all remember the Al Gore, George Bush recount in 2001. Well, we had the very same thing in 2001, the next year in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, we didn't have hanging chads, but it really was almost identical. Well, we forced the election commission to recount every single vote. And what we discovered, actually, is that they could not tell us with any degree of certainty how many votes anyone got. And that was sort of my eye-opening experience when I realized um, how completely incompetent government could be. Uh, and what was more scary, honestly, if you read election law, if you read into it, there's actually no rule in the law that says you have elections that aren't messed up. It says you can't have biased elections. But essentially, election commissions can, can mess up an election as much as they want, as long as they do it fairly. That's how low the standard is. And that's how I got sort of my feet wet in the activist litigation. Uh, but to me, that sounds like corruption. Uh, more incompetence than in corruption, actually. Uh, they absolutely, they, we got the administrative elections fired. Um, they, we forced them to put this woman on the ballot. Uh, she went on, it was a state house race. She did not win. She was running against an incumbent. Uh, she didn't win, but she went on to serve two terms in the Metro Council and has been a wonderful voice for people and, and business owners and was a wonderful voice when she was in the council. Uh, very proud of that, being part of her start in the, in the political process, but really more horrified at how incompetent the government was. Um, and it, I have not been dissuaded since that time that they're not incompetent. They've only proved it over and over again. So, Well, you have my curiosity now. Do you mind revealing which mayor it was that uh, issued that edict? It was in 2001, I believe. Sometimes I get Mayor Bredesen. Oh, was it? Okay. Up. I believe it was Bredesen. Um, but I know it happened because I was in the room when the election commission, like they said, the mayor's on the line for you and I hand him the phone. Uh, at that time, the election commission had three Democrats on it and two Republicans. And so because the Democrats controlled the state house uh, and they just, they just wouldn't put this woman on the ballot. They just, I mean, uh, they, actually, their reasoning was actually almost funny. They said because they couldn't determine how many votes she got, that they couldn't put her on the ballot. Um, and I pointed out to them that they couldn't determine how many votes anyone got because they had lost the poll books, they had left voting boxes unlocked. Uh, they couldn't tell you with a certainty who won any single election in any single precinct. Uh, and it was my position that the default position should, people should be allowed to run. That if you're not sure, someone should be on the ballot. Um, what was the impact of that uh, lawsuit? Because I'm sure it upset, um the establishment, Democrat and Republican? Um, it did. Uh, I will say the two Republicans did vote to put her on the ballot, uh, and it it didn't make me any friends at City Hall, but but it was so blatantly wrong. I mean, quite honestly, uh, a, a, a write-in candidate going against an incumbent is a long shot to begin with. I mean, you've been involved in politics. Uh, I gave this woman wonderful kudos or major kudos for getting out and going door to door, but it was really sort of a slap in the face to allow the election commission's incompetence to be a reason for her not to be on the ballot. Uh, like I said, she was running against an incumbent. Uh, she probably wasn't going to win anyway, and she did. It wasn't that big a surprise. But it did launch her into other great things. And so denying people ability to vote 
is sort of like denying them the ability to run for office. It's not exactly the same, but your right to participate isn't just voting. You have a right to be a candidate. You know that. I know that. Uh, when you start denying people the right to be a candidate, that's there's some problems with that. I mean, institutional problems. I mean, what what kind of person thinks that's okay? Well, let me ask you this. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I made some enemies with that one, but that wasn't the first case that made enemies and so. Let me ask you this. In law school, were you interested more in the constitutional law or election law? Uh, I really was interested in criminal law, believe it or not. I was a believer. I was a believer in government. I was a believer in what I call the system. I really did. Uh, I saw the district attorney's office who prosecutes criminals. I thought they were good people who, who did good things and good work. Uh, I still believe that. But I also was exposed to what I saw as the very abusive or potentially abusive nature of the criminal justice system. Um, there are problems, and there are always going to be problems with the system because people are involved in it, people are flawed. But the power a prosecutor has to selectively prosecute is a dangerous power. I don't, I'm not sure I have a better solution, but it is a dangerous power that has to be kept in check. We feel the same way about police officers. They have tremendous power, but we have to sort of ride herd on them because that power can be abused. And we all know most police officers are good people. Most district attorneys are good people. I'm not sure I'll say most politicians are good people, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, you know, there's, there was a lot of potential for abuse. I ended up not going that direction when I started out on my own. I don't do criminal law, uh, but that, interest that rights of the, the accused has always interested me um it's it's when you think about the rights of the accused what you really should be thinking about is your rights because someday you might be the accused never, well, never I, yeah. I can believe that more and more now today in this environment uh because we're doing this interview you know in the midst of the coronavirus shutdowns lockdowns contact tracing, things that none of us ever anticipated. Well, I mean, I think it's funny that lawyers were considered to be essential uh, when it came to shutting people down. And I'm only reason I think they did that is because if they had tried to shut the lawyers down, we would have sued the city or the state or whoever. But lawyers are no more essential than, than dentists or hair cutters. Uh, I've, I've needed a haircut a lot more than I've needed a lawyer in the last three months. I mean, uh, this there's something wrong with all of that and i think i think americans our history shows that it's really easy to surprise us it's really easy to do a 9-11 and catch us with our our pants down or uh you know we're, we're easy to surprise because we're not eternally vigilant like we should be we get lazy but i think this covid shutdown people are waking up to the fact that this might have never been necessary this might have been a total overreaching and almost sadly, I think the next time they try to do this, there's going to be a lot more pushback. And next time it might actually be necessary. I uh, hope that there will be pushback because I never felt the circumstances justified the heavy hand handed approach. We're going to take a break. And when we return, I'd like to hear a little bit more about the cases that you were involved in before you got to the Nashville Taxpayer Protection Act. Each week, the Be The People Show presents interviews with insightful guests from the world of politics, religion, media, and culture. The Be The People Show is on podcast. It offers bonus footage. To listen to Be The People online, 
go to the BeThePeopleNews.com website and subscribe to the Be The People podcast, heard also on the America Out Loud Network. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Well, as we celebrate our four-year anniversary, thank you for making it all possible. We are a grassroots movement of patriots, blogs, podcasts, video, and 24-7 talk radio on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. We are the vision of the voices, America Out Loud Talk Radio. back with my guest, uh, Jim Roberts, and we're talking about government. Uh, what does it take to make good government? And our case study to speak is Nashville. And Jim, what are some of the other things that you've been involved in and what causes you to interject yourself into a situation? Because I know that when you're working on some of these things, such as Save Our Fairgrounds, that you're doing this, you know, pretty much uh, pro bono, that you're not being compensated the way you would be uh, as a lawyer that was out there just seeking regular clients. Well, that's, that's the truth. You can, you can, my wife would give you an earful on that. Uh, you know, it's when you get into good government type litigation, what I call it, it's really when you just reach the point where you, you just can't stand by any longer. You just almost get pushed over the edge. Um, how I sort of got into ballot initiatives and things of that nature was really when uh, a person came to my office, had, that person had gathered signatures for a ballot initiative, had turned them into the clerk, and Metro was suing them to keep it off the ballot. You're kidding. This was, now, I'm going to tell you, this wasn't a real popular ballot initiative, but I did, it was when Eric Crafton did a ballot initiative called English First. It didn't, I remember that. And it, it was a very impassioned fight over it, but it, I did not know Eric Crafton. I had never met him. I knew who he was, but I, I had never met him. And he came to me and said, they're trying to keep me off the ballot. And I looked at everything he'd done, everything he had to do legally. Um, and so I got involved in the litigation to get it on the ballot. The arguments that were made by Metro Legal, I felt were very, that's the Metro Department of Law, were very dishonest. Um, and yet the chancellor who, who spoke up in court and said she didn't want this to be voted on by the people, um, adopted Metro Legal's arguments and kept it off the ballot. Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was infuriated by that. Not, not so much whether it was a good idea or not. The people should get their, if you gather 10,000 signatures or whatever it needs to be, and those 10,000 registered voters, citizens, taxpayers say, I want something on the ballot, they're entitled to have that voted on. So Eric Crafter went out and gathered another 10,000 signatures and he put it on the ballot. And I was so shocked by the dishonesty that I saw and the way this was all handled that I actually took my own money, sponsored a second ballot initiative. And all it did was clean up the ballot initiative process. It, it, all it did was make a few changes in the law, but not inflammatory, was not really anything bad. It just said, this is how we're going to do it. We're not going to have special elections. Um, it was going to make the way you get the signatures standardized. Um, the people in opposition to English First went on this just hate-filled campaign. And you have to understand that Eric Crafton 
Eric Redder has a Japanese wife. He speaks multiple languages. He's a, a nice guy. He is not a racist in any form or fashion. At the time I was involved in this lawsuit, I owned a book publishing company. I published books in foreign languages. I, I had a, an interest in learning French and Italian, and my wife speaks German, and we both speak Latin, not, not speak, excuse me, can read Latin, barely. We were tarred and feathered by the people. I mean, the, the, the way aircraft was treated is just, and, and I was brought, it sucked right into it. Um, I felt like that was probably the most dishonest campaign I've ever seen. Now, I know well, how I, did they label you? Oh, they, we were just racist this and racist this. The funny part is they actually, the campaign the opposition ran just said vote no on one and two. They never once in four months of campaigning explained why people should vote against the second one. But they never, don't have to. They don't have to. It was just vote no on one or two. Uh, and then they accused aircraft of being this terrible racist. Well, uh, did you two make the Southern Poverty Law Center watch list? Oh, oh, I'm sure I'm on it about seven times. Um, in fact, in law school, some friends of mine invented a group that we tried to get on their hate list. We tried to see if they would, if we, if we spread enough rumors around that maybe they would list it. Um, I love looking at the Southern Poverty Center's list. I didn't know there was a KK clan, uh, clan out in Woodbury, Tennessee. I, I don't know if you've ever been to Woodbury, Tennessee. I think they just got their first traffic light. I'm pretty sure they don't have a chapter of anything out there, much less a KK. I mean, the, the groups they label, of course, is laughable. But, I, but I'm sure they did. I'm sure they labeled him as that. Um, I consider that a badge of honor. Well, I mean, I, I, politics is an adult sport, right? I get it. Uh, and if they want to defeat aircraft and they have to destroy everyone in their path, they have a right to do that. I just felt it was very dishonest. But what I saw the worst was is that I did see the flaws in the ballot initiative system. Um, and the flaws in the government became very apparent to me that we need to do things to make our government better. And we don't have to have a revolution. Tennessee, specifically Nashville, has a fabulous ballot initiative system. The people, and it's not true in every state and not true in every city, but in Nashville, the people have the power to abolish the government. We could, I'm serious, you and I could go out and gather signatures with an amendment that said we're abolishing the metropolitan government. And if it passed, Metro would end that day. Well, you know what I think we should do? We should uh, amend the Metro Charter so that, for one, we don't need 40 city council members and they don't need to be all elected in the same year. They need to have staggered terms so that we can hold them accountable. And I think good government requires that we change the current process. And, and those are those are those ideas have come up. In fact, as I began to work on my good government idea, I actually came up with about 17 different issues. Um, and I just decided it was too many to spring on the people at one time. Making the council more streamlined is, is not a bad idea. Uh, I think uh, Emily Evans, Councilman Evan Evans tried to do that way too much, but there is some balance in there that could be reached. Uh, why are our elections off sequence from the state and federal elections? <laughs> uh, that was done in 1964, but there's no reason for us to have these offset elections. We ought to be giving our elections like everybody else and not having these off-year, midterm type elections. Um, we need to get away from that. Um, right. There's a lot of things we can do. And we could do that with a ballot initiative. Like I said, my, my opinion is if you have the power as the people to abolish the government, then you have the power to change it any way you want to. Sounds good to me. 
I mean, I, I found that I've had, no one has ever been able to refute that argument to me um, because that's absolutely you can do it. If we want to make one, you know, we've got term limits on the mayor. Great. We have term limits on the council. We can do whatever we want. That's what, that's why we're a people. So Jim, could you um, tell our listeners a little bit about um, the issues around the fairgrounds? Well, just some of the things that have been happening in Nashville, but I know you're the general counsel for Save Our Fairgrounds. I want you to give that background before we get into the Taxpayer Protection Act and what people out there can do to help us. Okay. Well, that actually, Save Our Fairgrounds came out of Save Port Negley. The first thing I got involved in about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago now, was this just outrageous plan to take a state park or a park in the middle of our city, Fort Negley, which has a rich historical tradition history for both the black and white community in, in Nashville. I mean, it is, it is a multiracial park in a way that you don't really have in a lot of places. I mean, there is a history for everyone there, and they were just going to develop it. They were going to give part of that land away to a campaign, a large campaign donor. Well, we stopped that. We, we sued them. We uncovered that they hadn't followed the right procedure. And well, by the time we got into the litigation and it, it sort of got into the public what was going on, suddenly it wasn't, you know, they tried to sneak it through. Same thing sort of happened with Save Our Fairgrounds. We have a fairgrounds here in, Tennessee, in Nashville. It is the, it's called the Nashville Fairgrounds. It's 120 roughly acres, and it is, has a mission. It has a, a fair board that was designed to create a state fair called a divisional fair. Um, it, that's its whole mission. And it can do things on that property or with that property, but its mission is to hold that state fair. Well, our former mayor, Megan Berry, uh, decided to give, she wanted to destroy the fairgrounds. In fact, Carl Dean, Mayor Carl Dean, had actually actively worked to destroy the fairgrounds. He got thwarted by a 2011 ballot initiative, my favorite thing, by some other folks. I was not involved in that one. Um, but there's been this pressure to destroy the fairgrounds. Uh, from certain elements in Metro. Uh, I think they see it as lowbrow. They think people that go to the Speedway or the flea market are low class. They think people go to the expo events, the rept reptile shows, and all those things that the regular folks like to do. They just sort of look down their noses at us. Uh, and so they want to destroy that. Now, that, that pace is accelerated with the Gulch. The fairgrounds is a huge property, probably worth a billion dollars if you could develop it together. And the people who, Megan Barry mostly, decided she wanted to sell that property off or give it away, really. And so she entered into a deal with uh, some, some billionaire investors and some crooked people out of Wisconsin, the Wolf family, who are virtually mobsters, people we don't even want in this town, much less doing business in this town, uh, to give away about a third of the available free space at the fairgrounds. What they are planning at the fairgrounds will destroy the fairgrounds. It is not possible for it to continue on. If they Let do. me ask you this. Uh, I know that there have been some lawsuits. Has, uh, have those lawsuits all been resolved, or are you still waiting for a judicial opinion? Because it seems to me that construction on the new projects, uh, that's already started, I believe. Well, no. They, they, have, they certainly have talked a big game about the construction. Uh, and every couple of weeks they come out out some sort of delay or something. They did tear down the old expo buildings, uh, which I think they had a duty to do. It's because the fairgrounds is only so large. 
and you have right. the expert buildings that take up a certain amount of space. You have the speedway that takes up a certain amount of space. You have maintenance buildings that take up a certain amount of space. And then you have the free space, all the open area. That's where the carnival midways go. When you have the state fair, it's where the animals go. When you have the state fair, it's where you park cars for the flea market, all this. It only has about 5,000 parking spaces. So what, after, so what they want to do is give away a lot of that free space, probably 30 acres of what is really about 70 acres of free space. So about half the free space is going to be given away to MLS. The parking is going to drop from 5,000 parking spaces to 2,000. Uh, and they're going to tell us that with 2,000 parking spaces, they can have events out there. They can have a 30,000 seat uh, soccer stadium. In Bali, it'll never work. But the key to it, Carol, is, is that they, they're not doing this for soccer because the real giveaway here, the real doing in of Nashville is they're giving away 10 or more acres for mixed development. They're going to allow a billionaire to come in and get free land, 10 acres, probably worth $30 million. He's going to get them pretty much for free. He's going to build a $150 million complex on it. He'll make 12 to $15 million a year and Nashville will get what? Somewhere less than $200,000 a year. And so you filed a lawsuit and what is the status of that lawsuit? I'm sorry. The status is we go to trial in August on that lawsuit. That'd be great. And so that we're going to take another break. And we, when we return, the rest of the show will be about the Nashville Taxpayer Protection Act. Hello, I'm Carol Swain of Be The People. I'm proud to endorse Patriot Mobile, America's only conservative cell phone network. After years of dealing with big cell phone companies, I made the decision to support a business that supports my conservative Christian values. Patriot Mobile offers nationwide phone service at an affordable price. Most importantly, a portion of the money you spend is given to organizations that support the sanctity of human life, gun rights, and religious liberty. There are no long-term contracts or hidden fees, and unlimited plans start as low as $25 a month. So do me a big favor. Contact Patriot Mobile at patriotmobile.com forward slash carol or call 972-PATRIOT. When you mention code CAROL, you'll get your activation fee waived and receive a free gift for switching service. Switch today and start supporting a company that supports your values. What if there was a book that took the mystery out of prayer, one that made it easier for people to pray God's Word with miraculous results? There is such a book. Joy Lamb's The Sword of the Spirit, The Word of God is a handbook that has changed the lives of thousands of people around the world. You can order your life-changing copy from Joy Lamb's website, thesoardofthespiritbook.com. Order Joy's book and listen to her audio prayers while you're there. I'm back with my guest, uh, Jim Roberts. So, Jim, tell our listeners about this initiative, this petition that you uh, developed and why it's important. Well, Nashville is, is, is already bankrupt. Uh, in August of last year, the comptroller of the state, who's the person in charge of the finances, say came to our city and said, we're going to take you over if you don't straighten your mess out. Nashville was not able to do a balanced budget, um, but we had a new mayor coming in who at least had a history of being fiscally responsible. And, the, and the, the general feeling was that the comptroller said, Mayor Cooper, we're going to give you a chance. Well, think of what has happened since August of last year. 
we our economy has cradled. We have been we have been hurt more than any other city in this country. Um, I saw that in the paper. That the, the lack of tourism because we sold our soul to tourism some time ago. We sure did. We, we did. And so when we when we we bet on that horse and that horse faltered on us. Guess where we are? So we're sitting here eight months later in a thousand times worse situation. Uh, we have terrible unemployment because the mayor shut down all the bars, all the venues. Who's going to come to Nashville? There's nothing to do. Uh, our mayor has crippled this economy. And the mayor's solution was to spend an extra $100 million. He raised the budget $100 million. And he, and he proposed a 32% property tax increase. So basically, it's business as usual. We're going to keep spending, not just what we spent last year. We're going to spend more than last year. And we're going to do it on the backs of the taxpayers. Now, we, Nashville's the it city, city, you said that, but if rents go up and rents are going to go up, the landlords don't just eat property tax increases. You pass them on to the tenant like everywhere else. If rents go up 32% or 10% or 15%, are people still going to keep coming here? Are we going to, are we going to reverse this trend? Um, this is a terrible idea. So I took my ballot initiative I've been thinking about for about 10 years and so people got in touch with me and they said, we've got to stop this. This is going to destroy the engine that's going to drive us out of these situations. You know, we've got to stop spending and, and, and give, give, let these businesses start back up. Uh, and so that's what this does. This Taxpayer Protection Act um, is really pretty simple. It's, and the first thing it does is it, it doesn't allow the government to ever raise taxes more than 2% because we have a, a sort of a convoluted system and the way our taxes do when the appraisals come up, the tax rate goes down, it has to be revenue neutral. And so we've been sitting on the same tax base, the tax revenue base for several years because nobody had the courage to raise taxes a little bit to keep up with inflation. So we have this terrible system where we just go along at a flat level. We have an emergency, we jack them up, go along at a flat level, have emergency. It's this cycle of, of, of stupidity. No sane person will do it. I said, let's fix that. No, let, let the council raise taxes a little bit with inflation every year, no more than 2%. But then say, you can't do it any more than that. No 32%, no 15%, no 10% without a vote of the people. And if Mayor Cooper uh, wants to raise taxes 15, 20, 30%, he's going to have to come to the citizens and say, this is why we need it. This is why we're going to do it. Um, that's one part of the, of the, of the ballot issue. There are a couple other parts um, that fit in with it. How we got into this problem, and partly, is giving away our public lands. We've given away the Church Street Mall, we closed, gave it away. Downtown Public Library closed, gave the property away practically. You know, all these, the, the convention center, we had a convention center downtown, right on Broadway, prim, premier piece of property, gave it away. We are just whoring ourselves, that, and that's the only word for it. We are giving away property that's worth multiple millions of dollars, getting nothing in return. So Jim, could you quickly run down the other parts of that uh, petition and then tell our listeners uh, who are from Nashville or have a stake in Nashville what they can do to help us? Absolutely. So the, the other parts of the petition are just simple. We're not going to be able to give away the property. If, we're, if Metro wants to sell property to a developer, we get fair market price for it. Seems fair enough. If we're going to issue bonds, one of the reasons we have $3.6 billion in bonds, over, over half what the state of Tennessee has, is because we've been charging it. We've got out the, the Metro credit card and we've been charging all of our projects. You've got to stop doing that. Unless it's a core government function, the people have to vote on these bond initiatives. Um, 
the, there's a section called failed promises. We put a lot of money in these sports teams and I understand people love sports, but we need to have a rule that says, if you leave, we get our property back every bit of, we've given you an inducement to come to Nashville and you take your team and leave. We want everything back. Seems only fair to the taxpayers. Seems we ought to do it that way. And the last thing, and this is really the most important, you know, this dishonesty corruption happens in the dark. And right. so provision here about the open records act and what I have run into in 20 years of litigation is every time you start pinning the government down on something dishonest, they hide behind government privilege. We need to strengthen the open records act so the people can see what the government is doing. And when you can expose these things, that's how we won Fort Negley. We want, we saved Fort Negley, not because I'm some genius, but because we exposed the crookedness of the deal. And the fairgrounds for the same reason. We still, we've exposed it. We've, we don't get much traction on it. Um, that's what that does. So all together, these things will help protect the taxpayers. What we need is real simple. We have to get on the ballot. So the first step is to collect uh, signatures. We think we'll need five to seven, maybe 10,000 signatures. We don't know it's based on a, a moving target. It's, I tried to fix previously, but we are wholeheartedly collecting signatures. If you will go to the, it's our website, NashvilleTaxpayerProtectionAct.com or uh, the underlying website is for the number four goodgovernment.com. You can download a copy of this petition. I ask your listeners not just to sign it, but to print it out and take it to 15 of their friends. There's 15 spaces on here. Get 15 of your friends to sign it. And, and they that. have to be Davidson County voters. Yes. yes, yes, absolutely. You have to be a registered voter in Davidson County. Uh, this is our county. Uh, and help us do that. I mean, this is the collecting signatures part is important. Uh, we're going to be doing mail outs. We're going to be doing radio. We're gonna, you know, we're going to be advertising. But a lot of people, they feel helpless and they just think they're going to get run over. Well, you know what? You are going to get run over. Uh, in about two weeks, the mayor's going to propose a budget that raises your taxes 32%. The council's going to vote on it and approve it. And then they're going to try to come up with an alternative budget and they probably will fail. And well, Jim, <laughs> Jim, I've spent the last two Thursday mornings at uh, Panera breads with your petition gathering signatures and it's something that a lot of people are interested in we do need people to gather the signatures and if you are a business owner and you live outside of nashville if your employees are from nashville then you should encourage them uh to support this initiative because it affects them absolutely and if you're a business owner in nashville your taxes are going up too uh, they, when they raise the rate, the commercial taxes go up even more and you haven't done anything wrong. The citizens haven't done anything wrong. We have a history of overspending and that's on the government. That's not on us. We may have, but we, I get admittedly, we may have elected those people, but nobody ran on a position of running a deficit. Nobody ran on the position of financing $3.6 billion worth of nonsense. We expect these people to, to act responsibly. You know what? They didn't. And so the people are going to rein in the government. We, that's what we're allowed to do as Americans, as Davidson County residents. This will rein in. The, it won't solve all the problems, but it'll solve some of them. <laughs> well, Jim, thank you so much for being on the Be The People show. And I will post information so that our listeners can go to the show description and learn about, what, uh, learn about you and what they can do to help Nashville. Well, I appreciate that. I really do. Uh, this is our fight. It's not my fight. It is our fight. So please join it. Be a part of it. Be the people. 
be the people. So with that, we're in the show. <laughs>